Well, even the best laid plans can go awry. We were supposed to be doing our NPL Queensland men's season preview this evening on the Brisbane Football Review, but for the third time in the show's history, we've had to throw out the run sheet and uh, react to what is the breaking news. Vince Rigari has the uh, story that Warren Moon has departed the Raw. The manager is gone. Uh, it's James Scott and Adam with you as we're, well, still, still dealing with... Uh, I would say as good as confirmed reports online by Vince and other news outlets as well. It's James Scott and Adam with you, and well, let's just get right into it. Scott, how are you going? Good, James. I was getting ready to record our MPL season preview as you mentioned, and didn't quite expect we'd be recording this podcast in on this particular afternoon, but here we are. Yes, that's right, and. Um, Thankfully, I can see a very relieved look on Adam's face just because I think he's got a half-completed list of NPL predictions that he's now got a couple of extra days to uh, fill out. Adam, Warren yeah. Moon gone. It's uh, not the relief that, uh, well, from having to have a bit more time to think about your NPL predictions, is it? Well, to be honest, I would re- rather be pre- rather be talking about NPL because, uh, yeah, I was in a better mood probably an hour ago. This uh yeah, it's, it's never a good time when we're talking about, you know, a departing coach, especially during the season. Uh, I will, I'm sure we'll get into it shortly, but uh, about the reasons why and how we got to this point. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's never a pleasant subject to talk. I know some people are probably, you know, doing cartwheels and celebrating and probably others are, uh, are, very, are very much commiserating, but we'll at least try and sort of, you know, be objective and stay in the middle. And uh, Marco Monteverde has in the last 60 seconds while we were doing the introduction put out a story as well um, saying that he's uh, just further corroborating the breaking news Uh, Warren Moon has been sacked as coach of the struggling Brisbane Raw Moon whose side drew 1-1 with Sydney FC on Saturday at Allianz Stadium uh, was informed of the decision on Monday by the club's general manager Ante Kovacevic when contacted by News Corp Australia on Monday afternoon Kovacevic said the club would not yet be commenting on Moon's dismissal. Um, we'll talk about replacements uh, a little bit later on. Um, however, um, yeah, Marco does mention one name that we'll get onto a little bit later on. Scott? Yes, we'll get to that later on, but it sounds like it's officially basically confirmed, doesn't it? We've seen it from Vince has said it, um, then the Channel 9 came out with it, and now Marco. So there's a lot of lot of smoke out there, and it seems like there's a bit of fire as well. It's a, as to Adam's point, it's not, not nice to be on here talking about a coach being being sacked, particularly a coach who we all know quite well. James, it's fair to say we know Warren quite well from his time in the NPL Queensland at time at Lions and in the Australia Cup and in the NPL we got to know him quite well. So it's a bit difficult, but unfortunately these decisions do, do get made from time to time. Yeah, and we've all sort of been speculating both on and off air over the last few weeks. When would that breaking point come? And it certainly seemed like that gut punch of a draw against Sydney on uh, Saturday afternoon. Um, yeah, it's just going to... It's just been a really disappointing thing because, yeah, we like him. Warren was always excellent to deal with from our perspective and seemed like a genuinely nice guy. Um, the people we've talked to who have dealt with him at several of his previous posts have said, you know, how nice he was and how much they enjoyed dealing with him. So, it, yeah, it's never a good story. But as we have said all along, you know, when we were talking about you know the struggles under John Aloisi when you know they were winning but not playing great football from time to time similar to how the Raw were going at the start of this season as well 
it's a results-driven industry, and at the end of the day, Adam, the results weren't coming. Yeah, that's exactly it. Now, for, for my personal opinion, may as well sort of the speculation, sort of bring it onto the table. Look, my, my personal opinion that this was, this was going to happen eventually, um, because, look, under four, under four um, sort of seasons, you know, the raw sort of, you know, two of those seasons were, you know, you can put an asterisk because of the COVID struggles and whatnot. But, in you know, in the last couple of seasons, the raw really have not progressed as a club. Uh, there are mitigating circumstances, not just Warren. I think, I think there are, I think the club as a whole, I think, uh, sort of, you know, I guess below the expectations of what the fans want and deserve. Uh, but I honestly thought that this would happen at the end of the season. I, I thought that, you know, even despite the raw, you know, now seven games without a win, at the end of the day, uh, you know, we, we talked about, well, this is the this is the pitfalls of, you know, the A-League not having relegation. Uh, that's uh, basically, really, what is the point? In the, other than, you know, you know, just more, are people more conjecture with ten, with 10 games to go in the season or nine, nine league games to go? So... It's one of these things where, yeah, look, we knew it's almost like we knew it was coming, but it sounds like that the schedule got moved up by about nine weeks. Yeah, I I honestly thought that he was going to be able to see out the season, especially because, like, as we've said all along, you know, in part due to the fact that outside of Melbourne City, there hasn't really been any standouts in the um, A League, and there was a chance where you could have seen them maybe going on a five, six-week run and all of a sudden being right back in the mix to make the finals. Admittedly, with how the way with the way things have been going in the last few weeks, it just wasn't happening. But for me, the biggest surprise was the fact that the players were uh, still playing hard for him, which, like, normally if you're pulling the pin after the guy's just gone and brought in five new signings in the transfer window, you're going to give him more than a couple of games with them to uh, make them work, Scott. That is the surprise, and the timing of this is really, really strange, because I probably won't talk much about the game against Sydney, now Warren Moon's final game in charge, but the effort was there in that game. What do you think about some of the the last-ditch defending from the centre-backs in particular, and the diving challenge and all the rest of it, the blocks and all the rest they put in? The effort was there. It wasn't like they'd down tools on Warren Moon. The players were still putting in for him, and they had just made a pretty large overhaul of the squad, as you point out, in the January transfer, I think about five or six players in, five or six players out, reworking the whole front third once again. So the timing is really strange. That makes you wonder why have they done this with nine games to go, having just just brought in all these new players that are still trying to settle in. Don't forget, James. And now you've got a whole bunch of new players and a new coach, and you've got nine games left in the regular season. So the timing is quite odd in that in that regard. Yeah, and I just keep coming back to that as well. Like, why now? I know seven games without a win, but I suppose the other question... We've seen Warren getting a lot more blunt in his press conferences as well, um, saying, you know, we need to get results, we need to start winning, we need to do this, we need to do that. And the response just never came from the players in the end, Adam. Well, that's the thing, is that... um Look, if we sort of you know, doing a half sort of summary of that game, you know, since when was a one-all draw against Sydney a bad thing on the road? You know, like I said, yes, yes, it is seven games uh, without without a win, but the thing is that where the damage was done was in that so-called you know unbeaten run where they only won three of their three of those ten first games. You know, you you all of a sudden 
you know, a couple of those games where they, they sort of, you know, probably should have won. All of a sudden, you know, this is a very different season. And I think the most contributing factor, as you said, James, was that it, there is no seem to regard that, you know, that, oh, there's leaking, you know, as far as players being dissatisfied with, with Warren or that, that, you know, this whole, the whole thing where, which normally brings a coach undone where they are relieved during the season of, you know, of losing the dressing room. Look, it's either, it's either this is a very, very, you know, clandestine sort of, you know, uprising from the players, or there's no such thing as it. You know, that, that basically, that I reckon they may be as shocked as what, you know, most of us are at the moment, that, you know, that Warren's been given his marching orders. Yeah, and it's... And look, I think we're all in agreement that the results haven't been good enough. The club's now in 11th place, I'm pretty sure, after the weekend uh, results and whatnot, but... Even so, it just if you're making that change, I suppose you couldn't have done it during the World Cup break because they were coming off a big win over Sydney FC at, at the time. And, yeah, just thinking about the game as well, like the desperation was there, the organisation was there, but I suppose if you, want to, if you want to be critical, it is the fact that with a 1-0 lead late on, it was, very, it was a very, very negative approach trying to just hold on to that lead and just putting all the chips nah. in one basket. Of so I, I, I disagree with that. You know, this, this is the way the Raw play. They're playing to their strengths. And anyone that says, oh, you know what, it was, quote, a negative way. Well, they obviously don't watch too much football because you know what? They're, you can basically watch pretty much the English Premier League right now. And there's probably half a dozen teams that are employing that. You know, my team, Everton, that's they, they pretty much, they've got, they got a... They got the goal, um, the go-ahead goal against Leeds, and they shut up shop. This is the way league football's played. So again, I just saw this whole thing about oh, that if I, I, I would hate to think that oh, you know, Alex Parsons scoring 94th minute is what cost Warren Moon his job. I think that's very, very nearsighted because it's a case of, you know, that this is what the Raw do best was defend. You know, I, I don't. I, you know, this whole notion of, oh, the Raw have to play pretty football and they don't care what happens, you know, the score, uh, you know, that, that's just garbage. And those those fans need to get the F out. Because, quite frankly, you know, this is, it's, it is, you know, contributing. The, all the malaise and everything around that is where, why the club is in such a ditch at the moment. It's because, you know, of everything that's involved. You know, I, I do feel sorry for Warren, but I, I get it that also as well that, you know, things have to happen. I just think, why now? And, that, and that, I think that's a question that's going to keep on coming up in the post-mortem. Why now? It's good to see him bring some of that Sunday show fire to the show. I, d- I just teed Telling him up and exactly let him go. exactly where to go. That's the, that's the Sunday show spirit, Adam. Yep. But look, in all seriousness, look, defensively has been the Raw's really... They're really a calling card to you. Hasn't, under Warren Moon, it's been a really good defensive record. I think they still actually have the league's best defensive record, James, even after some of the the goals they've conceded over the last few weeks. It's at the other end of the field, isn't it, where the problems have been. And it's not just this year. It's been largely over the last two and a half years, really. They just haven't had that consistent goal score. They've tried a few different options in the front third, and none of them have really quite clicked. It'll be that 10, 15, 20 goal a year leading striker who is going to push you into the top top couple of teams in the competition. That's been the the one thing they haven't had, and this year in particular, I think it's 13 goals in in 17 games now. So that's been the real problem area, but defensively they have been really solid. And you don't have to play attacking football, but 
you do need to score goals. And unfortunately, yep. that's been a problem not just this year, but over the last couple. And the point, the point on like uh, the style of football as well. I can't remember how many times I've brought this up as well, but the expectation that like playing the football that the Raw did under Ange Postecoglou, who, as it turns out, pretty damn good manager. I, you know, just going to mm. uh, put my neck out there and say that. But also, you look at the Not players. What if you ask certain media, fish, media pundits down in Sydney? Yeah, well, we'll, uh, we'll we'll deal we'll deal with Robbie Slater later on. I think he's uh, probably saying yes to just about any gig he can get. So um, we'll get. Um, but like, you look at the football they played under Ange, scoring goals for fun, winning thirty six games in a row, or not winning thirty uh, going unbeaten, thirty six games. Yeah, that's it. Um, but and you think how you don't realize just how unbelievably tough it was for um, like the players to do that. And how it's not just a case of roll out of bed and play with that style of play every which way. And look, I suppose if you want to say the good thing, like the one of the good things you've noticed about Moon, not just from his time with the Raw, but going back to Lions and even before that, Penn Power, he will play to the strengths of his squad. And with this squad, it was very much a defensively dominated group uh, of players. So he just he played uh, the hand he was dealt, and it. And it wound up backfiring on, backfiring on him. I really can't talk. Scott, save me. You want me to save you? I can't talk either. But look, he did. He does build his sides to be to the strength of. Him. And in fairness, it, it, all the Warren sides have always been really strong defensively. Look at his Lions, SC side. They were sides that broke records in terms of goals conceded in that competition. So having a solid defensive foundation, James, has always been at the at the forefront of a Warren Moon coached side and. Those line sides were built on that. If you think about players like Luke Borian, Matthew Simish, Tommy Jarrett, Josh Brindle South, now in the Raw squad, etc. In that group, it was always a really solid defensive group. Just never found the attacking fluency, though, did he? That was the that was the unfortunate thing with this with his time at the Raw. I can't. Uh, maybe other than the first the first full season, James, that he had when when you had Riku in the side and and some of those some of the other players then that was that was quite a good attacking side. Other than that. The attack has always been the thing you looked at and thought, is it quite there? And it hasn't quite come up, has it? I think it is a case that we look at that, you know what, this this whole thing fell apart when Charlie Austin left. Because he was supposed to be the centrepiece of the revival. You know, this is, this is the danger you have with signing a marquee player, which is so not like the Raw. The Raw have... This is the first time that the Raw... You know, have signed marquee player, um, a marquee player, speci- you know, specifically that has a reputation for him. Yes, you can go on and say, you know what, that, you know, Thomas Broach and, and Bessar Barisha, their records, all that, but, you know, they, they were, they were sort of unheralded players in Europe. You know, Charlie Austin had a, you know, had some sort of reputation. And when he left, you, you got to think that this is pretty much, you know, what, but basically put the whole thing apart. You know, and and this is and this I guess a case of you know it's just the slide has gone in, on from there. Is it any is it any sort of wonder that you know the Raw basically have been virtually winless? Maybe you know, one one game since Charlie Austin um, left. I actually love, love to Scott. Maybe you've got the uh, stuff in front of you. What since Charlie Austin left uh, the Raw, what their record has been? Because I think this is where if you want to look at the I guess the black box of where it's all crashed. That may be the pinpoint, pinpoint and start. You'll have to remember what was Scott, his last game. 
it was the castle the first yeah. time. Yes, they have won two games since then. Yeah, I'm pretty sure yeah. it's two games. They beat Melbourne Victory away, and there was another one in yeah. there as I well. I think to, to, to that point, I don't know if it's just Charlie Austin has left, and that's what's triggered. I think the Charlie Austin departure was the start of a pretty significant roster overhaul, wasn't it? Over mm. over that period of time, where there's a lot of new players who've come in since then. This is what I was saying earlier. They've brought in five or six new players, and they haven't fully settled in yet. I know, so I know, Taras has made a couple of starts, and Sepovic started on the weekend, and and Robbie Cruz made his first appearance, but. It's still a new group, and that that group, no matter who's coaching it, is going to take time. So the timing of replacing a coach who just brought those players in, just it doesn't add up. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's not the way you would think you would do it, is it? To bring in five or six new players to try and flip things around and get results trending in the right direction, then change the coach straight away before you've had a chance to see if that's had any effect. Because I do think the performance against Sydney wasn't that bad. Yeah, it was a good it was a good showing against Sydney FC for the most part, and then it look I, I it was a dumb bounce of the ball uh, that allowed it to fall to Parsons for the equaliser as well, and you know insert insert your own conspiracy theory jokes about uh, Sydney getting a lucky bounce um, with all the stuff about the grand final this season, but I do kind of think that the char- like the Charlie Austin departure did sort of signal um, the breaking. I suppose, or the downward slide that has led to Moon's departure, solely because, like, everything was put in that basket for him being, like, he was going to be that outlet, he was going to be that fulcrum of the attack, and he was going to either score goals or set them up. And when it just didn't work, that was the way it was going to be. But, like, I, I still think Warren is a good manager. I'm, I'm going to continue to believe that, but... While we're still waiting for the official statement, I do also. We should include just... Riku in that as well, by the way. It wasn't yeah. just yeah. Charlie Riku was the other big addition in the offseason to try and turn the attack around, and the two of them didn't quite work out. Yeah, that's it. And like that duo combined with then the supporting cast who have had to turn into the lead actors of uh, Milayus Nitsch and uh, Armiento and company, that's, that just hasn't been able to get the job done. But. You think back on Moon's tenure as well. So he took over July 2020 when the predecessor decided that he just couldn't be bothered flying back. Um, So, yeah, you look back at the tenure as well and I don't think the way this has ended is necessarily a a reflection on Warren as a manager as much as it is just... It's been a rough three years uh, for him in charge when you think about that first half season he had the hub in Sydney... The second season, it was games like getting moved left, right, and centre. Similar story for the sec uh, for the second full season, and then this year, just sort of that uh, roll of the dice just didn't work out. And in the end, you hope that going forward, he's going to hopefully uh, pick up some of the lessons he's learned because he's definitely going to get another opportunity, be it in the NPL or possibly a second division, which we were also going to talk about this week. But uh, Scott, why don't you reflect on his overall tenure? We'll save the second division chat for another time, unfortunately. But yeah, it's been, it's been a. Re- I don't know if any other raw coach had to contend with the sort of stuff that Warren Moon has had to. You look at it; he walked in, what probably about a week before they started the resumption of training back in 2020, and then basically straight away into a hub down in Sydney, which might have been beneficial to just get the whole group together and try and implement what he was trying to do there, and did get 
a top four finish in that season, by the way, James. And I know other predecessors get a lot of credit for that, but there was still about a third of the season to be played there, and Warren Moon did continue that along and get some key results to go and get them into that top four. It didn't work out in the finals, but he still got them there. And the second full se- the first full season, I think it was probably his best season, wasn't it, James? That was that was the season where they played probably their best football, had to contend with still a lot of the pandemic-related issues, got to a final once again, unfortunately didn't quite play to the best of their ability against Adelaide in that in that elimination final. And that was a real sliding door. If they had won that game, James, and progressed to a semi-final, who knows what could have been, but that was probably the closest they came under Warren to, to achieving anything in the league. After that, the next season, that was the year when they had to do the fly-in, fly-out, same-day trips to Melbourne, and that seemed like a really, really rattled the start of the season. They never really recovered from it, did they? So, And then this year, good run in the Cup, but unfortunately not not, not, not there in the league in the end. So he got he had those some very good moments in the, in the time, James, but ultimately just not quite able to get over the line in the big moments. His biggest games were probably... The Adelaide semi-final, or the Illumination final, sorry, and the Sydney United semi-final, which does that was that was a big opportunity missed there to not make it to an Australia Cup final. Playing Macarthur, that would have been a big opportunity for Silverware that probably slipped them by. But they're probably the two biggest moments in his tenure. Yeah, I look. I look at uh, Warren's tenure. I, I, my, my first reaction is, geez, he's had to put up with a lot, you know, and a lot that no coach probably should have. You know, the, the way he got thrust into the role, um, the the you know, having to contend, as Scott said, you know, the hub, the hub situation. You know, then you know the, the state lockouts and the and the the season. You know, being you know basically, you know, tossed on its head, you know, the day there was periods where they would they wouldn't play for a month because of, you know, unable to fixture. And, yeah, look at... And, like I said, I think that, that would all contribute to that. But, uh, look, at the end of the day, yeah, two, two finals um, appearances, but, obviously, uh, it is a results-driven business and the results weren't there... Um, and, and, yeah, look, I think the time the time has come to, to make a change. Whether... What well, comes down to his quotes last week about you know whether the club will make a change, whether that was a self-fulfilling prophecy or whether that was a veiled warning at his squad or you know whatever. I guess we'll never know until you know he he, he qualifies it. But yeah, look, I think I think he, he he's had a, he's had a, he's had a good run and I think he's he's had a fair shot at it. It's just it just wasn't the be. Like you can you can easily point out and maybe he didn't get the the uh, you know. The ammunition that he needed, in terms of a squad, to be able to do anything, um, you know, maybe maybe the players that he got in were not good enough. The whole sort of you know backing Queensland talent was that enough? While while that is a very very, um, I guess what's the one I'm trying to look for? It, it's a very very moral sort of you know thing to, to support local talent, but that only gets you so far if that talent is not up to this level. And and like I said, I, I think I think it's, it's going to be one now of um, I guess mixed bag. I think you know again, but I think what Scott sort of said was what it's funny how things what could have been if um, like I said if they, the opportunities were taken, and maybe and maybe that's what's going to be on the epitaph of uh, Warren Moon's coaching stint will be you know you know. You know, what what could have happened if the opportunities were taken? It probably will, but to your point, no, I can't think of a Brisbane Raw coach that can contend with more 
off the field mm. than what Warren Moon's had to deal with in the last three years. We know other coaches had to try and coach through a pandemic and some of the other issues Thor have had. So he's had to deal with a lot, to your point. Well, on, on, on those other issues as well, I mean, it's it's no secret that the Raw's finances haven't been great over, well, basically the entire history of the A-League as well, even predating the Backrees ownership. You always remember those stories about, um, I want to say it was the Drevis brothers from the coffee club uh, who were part of the ownership group before. We were always hearing stories about how the club was just bleeding money trying to stay afloat and everything as well. So it's not like... It's not like this has ever been a club that is overly flush with cash. And then you factor in the fact that, yeah, they weren't in a great position heading into the pandemic. And just like any other business going around, they would have taken a massive hit because of um, all the issues going around uh, over the last, oh, geez, three years now. But, um, yeah, it, it has been a less than ideal tenure. And I do hope it's one that doesn't, push Warren away but yeah you've seen glimpses from time to time but in the end it just hasn't been good enough which is a really frustrating thing as well because I think you know I, I know the internet is an overly negative place and there will be people who will try and convince you that it's been all just horrible and dreadful uh, this season as well but it really hasn't been like there have been moments where you've seen just glimpses of what this team is capable of and I suppose if you want to really be critical of how they've gone over the last little while is maybe this is just sort of that last roll of the dice from the management team to say, hey, look, let's just see if this is the change. This will be something to spark the reaction in the players, Scott. Possibly. But again, the players didn't seem like they had given up all hope on the weekend. They were still, they were as committed as they've been all season long in that game against Sydney FC. So, that's why, again, I'm not sure I fully buy that because it's. I don't think they'd quit on Warren. There's certain times you see a coach depart a club and you can see, right, They've the players have given up on that coach. As a Man United fan, trust me, I've seen when players give up on a coach and I've seen plenty of that in the last 10 years. That's not what happened here. They didn't give up on him. They were still fighting for him and that and the cause that they were, they were together trying to achieve right up until the full-time whistle on Saturday evening down there in Sydney. So I don't think they'd given up by any stretch of the imagination. I think you just look at the reactions after the final whistle of the last few games as well, where like, it was um, it was, it was Mariners at home last week and prior to that it was Adelaide away. Like, you, can see the, you can see the frustration in the players' face. It's not like one of those situations where they're, you know, they're, they're disappointed but not, out, not overly upset. You can see just where like where the players' minds were at and you almost do have to ask, you know, was maybe Moon's frustration sort of permeating through as well because it did feel like there was almost a bit of desperation to say, hey, we need to be better than what we are at the moment. And I don't know, I'm, I'm just thinking out loud as well because this is very much a story in progress, Adam. Yeah, no, look, I just think um, as well, like I said, to see a coach get sacked with nine games to go... Even in a competition that uh, where there would be relegation, you know the facts. The facts remain is that usually a, a coach is let go mid-season because of one or two things. Either the results are terrible, where they're just basically outmatched, outplayed, and they've been, you know, basically been blown off the park, you know, you know, every second week, or he's lost the dressing room. And 
we, we know, as, as we've said a number of times tonight, that it looks as though from the outward side looking in, and some of us have a little bit more uh, insight into it than what, what, we, what others would, um, about you know, a, a, you know, a dressing room that I still think that you know, on the outward side looking in, we're playing for him. The other thing is, is that you know, the, you know, 17 games a season, other than the, other than the, a horror half against Newcastle Jets, and you know, and like I said, just pretty much a just a complete sort of you know utter you know sort of embarrassment again in round two against Melbourne City, where you just get outplayed. Which let's face it, Melbourne City they're not first time this season they've embarrassed teams. Um, They've been in every other game, and if if a moment or two is taken or what or whatnot, or you know a different circumstance, this is a very very different season. So I just maybe the only thing I can come up with listening to you guys and sort of thinking about it and reflecting is that maybe um, the the management team have decided you know what 2023-24 it starts it starts now. Um, well, bugger bugger the rest of bugger the rest of this season. Let's get a head start next season. Let's bring someone in and look with it, with this playing group. Let's see where they're at. Let's see what's going to go, what's going to go on, and maybe they're going to use this last nine games um, as as a survey as a as a troll. A bit similar to what happened when Ange Postecoglou came to the club in in 2009. That, that maybe it's a case of this season's a write-off. Let's see where it goes. You know, basically every player that's not on, under contract is basically on trial, and we'll see what happens. Maybe that's the thinking. Is that that? Maybe it's time. It may, let's not wait till the end of the season. Let's rip the bayonet off now and let's build for next season right now. It's either that or it's 2019 all over again with um, Darren Davies coming Darren in Davies midway through the year, where they basically did the same thing, didn't they? They didn't. It wasn't necessarily the coach for the long haul in place. It was a placeholder until they got to who they wanted to get to eventually. But they did that, didn't they? They basically tried a bunch of the young players. I think a lot of that championship-winning National Youth League side got their chance. At the back end of the season, they tried to those players see if they were good enough. They gave opportunities to the senior players still under under contract, and at the end of the season, they said, "This is who we're keeping. This is who we're moving on." I do I do think that could be the case over the last nine games, which means that the full squad is probably going to get their chance in the A League, show what they can do, and it, for some of them, it could be the last chance, James. So interesting to see how they do manage it over the last nine weeks of the season. We'll have to see who they do bring in first, but I tend to think it's probably going to be more the Davies path than the Ange Postecoglou path, where they have a coach that they're bringing in immediately for the here and now, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, well, those are the two sort of standout um, incidents uh, we can think of where the Raw have had to navigate the final couple of months of the season with what is essentially one eye on the long-term planning as well, but I, I suppose there is also the other uh, thought that maybe uh, it's France Tyson, which means only 11 players per game will get a run if uh, we're going back to that era as well. No, no laughs? Okay, I thought that was don't funny. Don't bring that up. But anyway. Please don't bring his name up again. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I just keep coming back to the fact that like, you've, got to work, you've got to work out why now. And mm. I think you're right. I think this is basically an admission of this is pro- like the, this uh, achieving anything this season is probably not the uh, something that they're really going to try and aim for, and it is going to be a case of just playing out the string, trying to avoid an Australia Cup qualifier again. Because, quite frankly, like at least last year when they went into that, we thought, well, at least there's at least there is a semi-stable squad for uh, Moon to call upon, and 
and uh, play in that one. But right now you're wondering what's going to be that. So maybe their priority is just getting themselves up to at least eighth place and seeing what happens from there. That, by the way, would um, right now be Melbourne Victory away. If the season ended today on the standings, it would be Melbourne Victory away for a spot in the Australia Cup. <laughs> Whatever. Amy Park, it's been fine. <laughs> not, not the way but, they're playing at the moment. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I, I would love to know right now, like, you know, they're, they're traditionally cagey on contract lengths as well, but you look at the signings that they've brought in as well, it sounds like most of them are only going to be here through to the end of the season. So, you know, regardless of who takes over as the uh, manager for the first Australia Cup game in July, it Assuming does sound like... It. Well, yeah, okay, or the first A-League game in October, it does sound like there is going to be a real sort of... I'm trying to find the right reason. There is going to be potential for an overhaul as well, and like I, I don't want to bring uh, your guys' thoughts from our off-air discussions on, but I, I'm going to talk about like when they brought in Ante Kovacevic, like the alarm bells went off in my mind as well because it seems like he would have been brought in with a pretty clear edict to not only you know take over management of the football side of things, but get this team back to the level it was at a decade ago where it was competing for championships, premierships and all sorts of other honours as well and you know, I I know I thought well it's not great uh, potentially for Warren where if things go wrong Ante Kovacevic is going to have clearly a list of names ready to uh, call upon for the following season if he decides to uh, make the move, and it sounds like he has, Adam. Yeah, look, and that's the thing is, uh, don't don't get me wrong. While, while we're all disappointed that Warren has been uh, has given his marching orders, I'm not I'm not angry yet, Ante Kovacevic or you know, anyone. It's just it's just uh, it's just unfortunate, and that that maybe that the, the time has come where they've decided, you know, perhaps perhaps they need to move on it now. You know, it's festering away. It's and like I said, oh, I'm not angry about it, and I, and I would hope that any reasonable fan. Um, doesn't take it out on the club either. I think it's it's very very important that yeah this has had to be done. I think that you know most people would have sensed that this is, this is probably going to happen at season's end. Uh, but yeah, look at the end of the day, look you you've got to have faith in you know the reputation that Ante Kovacevic has. Is that you know what at at three other A League clubs, he's either he's either been there and and got them a championship or got them to one game within a championship. So he knows what it takes in this league to get a um, to get a club to where it needs to be. Look, whether whether he's got the backing from the owners to do that, look, that's anyone's guess, and that may be the deciding factor whether they've got the investment, they've got the the ambition to do that. But certainly, I think if this is the if this is the way that it has to be, it is what it is. And while we're disappointed personally for Warren Moon, I guess it's a case of you know what we also have to trust that this decision was made in the club's best interest and hopefully potentially uh, a future success for the club. Yeah, we probably don't have time to go into the ownership at the moment, James. We're going for about half an hour already, so we don't really have the time to delve into that. But to Adam's point, this was always a possibility at the start of the year, wasn't it? That if things didn't go well, that Ante Kovacevic had just been brought in right on the eve of the season. Don't forget it was Ante Kovacevic, Matt Smith and Riskalea given the three general manager jobs, James, and doing different different duties within that this was always a possibility that if it didn't go well this year they could go down this path so well it's not 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 nice that it's happened 
it was certainly something that we all knew in the back of our minds was possible. And if we are going to start looking ahead to potential succession plans and all the rest of it, I think it's probably going to be Ante Kovacic's decision. And hopefully, it's him who gets to make the decision. Because in the past, we have seen seen they've had people in these football decision-making roles who have been looking at doing things and planning things. And ultimately, the ownership group said, nope, we're going in a different direction right at the end. So hopefully, it's Ante who gets to make the decision because he's the one who who most of the fans will now hold accountable for it. And also, he's got the track record as well. You look at his work with... Yeah, Perth, Adelaide, Western United. Mm. This is going to be his idea of a football team going forward now, where it's his decisions. You look at the signings that they did bring in as well, and they're all people that you can look at their profile and go, well, either they've got ties to Kovacevic or he's been able to utilise his network to bring them in. I know they've talked about having like processes where the players, like where the coaches will come up with a type of player he wants, but he's still the one that's actually going out and finding the players. So, presumably... Carlo Armiento, means... Taras Gamulka, Noah Smith, three that we know of absolutely 100% had links to Kovacevic in the past. So And Marjok too. And yeah, no, and Marjok as well. I forgot, forgot about him. So, look, it, the, the, the fingerprints are already there. So, I think you just got to have faith that yeah, this is in the best interest of the club. Yeah. Um, well, look, we've been stalling well I have been for the last 10 or so minutes hoping that there would be an official statement mm. coming out soon but uh, nothing doing yet so we may as well just keep going on uh, and start to think about possible replacements the obvious name that jumped to my mind straight away was uh, Melbourne Knights head coach Ben Kahn who has got a pretty solid reputation from his exploits with Olympic here in Queensland but you also wonder uh, would he be willing to leave Knights after 90 uh, competitive minutes in charge I don't know how they went on the weekend one all but, draw uh, late equaliser Ivan actually former Raw player there you go oh good for him that's good to see um, centre of the universe so they'd just be tough to leave <laughs> yeah with the gravitational pull it may be hard to uh, make his way back up north but um, yeah he, he's one of the other names uh, there is a story at uh, the note in Marco uh, Monteverde story that former Brisbane City coach Nick Green has been uh, appointed his replacement no mention of it if it is a uh, interim job through to the end of the season or a uh, longer term hiring at the time of recording by the time you're listening to this there may be a little bit more information and knowing our luck there almost certainly will be 10 minutes after we finish recording yeah I'm not coming back and uh, recording extra (laughs) stuff on the end as well but Nick Green sounds like he's the uh, name for the time being. Didn't have the best of uh, tenures at Brisbane City, although I think uh, given some of the stories I've heard about what was going on in that club when he was there, maybe not. Uh, maybe you don't want to hold that against him too much because it sounds like it is a much more stable environment at uh, whatever it's called now at Newmarket, Spencer Park. Spencer uh, Park, Imperial, let's go with that. Imperial Corp Stadium. Spencer okay, Park. <laughs> That'll do. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, where we're at in terms of replacements. Uh, on the staff, Graham Harvey was uh, a coach that was brought in at the start of this season, and he has experience in the Asian Champions League as well. Scott, any of those names jump out to you or any other possible replacements? Yeah, well, Nick Green, I was giving people a background. He was the head coach of Brisbane City after John Cosmina left. I think it was 2019 when... John Cosmina departed Brisbane City and Nick Green was his assistant from memory and took over at the back end of that season and I think 
coach the first bit of the MPL's men's season in 2020 before the pandemic hit, and then Matt Smith took over after that. It wasn't necessarily, to your point, James, the greatest of head coaching tenures at Brisbane City, but there was a fair bit going on in the background at that club. At the time, obviously, they had some, some overhaul and all the rest of it. They were a lot better run now. Brisbane City and maybe Nick Green suffered because of that. I think since then he's been doing some work in the um, GPS school system as well as some private academy coaching. So he's been around the scene here in Queensland, but his head coaching experience isn't as isn't as strong as Warren Moon's was in the NPL to put it put it that way. The other people you mentioned, Graham Harvey, is a very experienced head coach coach in um, the NPL here. is a champion with Western Pride. He's, to your point, he's also been in the Asian Champions League over there as well a couple of times. So. He's and he's got really strong convictions in what he believes, Graham Harvey. I think he would he would be a he'd be a good choice if he was interested in taking the job. I imagine others will be linked to the job. You mentioned Ben Khan. I'm sure Scott McDonald's name will come up, and plenty of others will come up as well. But at this point, we're really guessing. Yeah, I was I was going to say that the one name that probably I think. Uh, would have would have come up, I think, as, as possible. It was Scott McDonald. Uh, yeah, obviously, yeah, he they coached the, the uh, grand final winning Gold Coast Knights. Uh, they're about they're about ready to embark on their title defence this season. I, I think, yeah, obviously, he he has his badges as far as you know, or close to completing his UEFA badges. So obviously, uh, he would be one that you know is sort of touted as yeah you know, a future yeah you know, A League coach. Um, so I think he'd come up. I think obviously yeah, Nick Green's name has been reported as well. So uh, you know, yeah. Look at this stage. Until we know what we're dealing with, as far as you know, are we looking at an interim coach? Are we looking at you know an appointment for you know multiple seasons? Uh, yeah. Look, I think it's speculation. I'm sure there are other names out there that that you know probably could and should um, be considered. You know, especially uh, I think. No, I, d- I don't know if the Raw will go down the path, of, unless it's someone like a personality like Scott McDonald, of course, being a former Socceroo. When they go, when it comes time to actually make a, the call on a permanent coach, I'm not necessarily think they'll go down the path of an MPL coach. I know that people are screaming for it, but I think the way the club is at the moment, I think they go for someone with more experience, or even perhaps someone from overseas that we may never have heard of before. But it may be what the club and the league needs. So, you know, a, a different set of eyes, a different approach to the A-League. Because sometimes the best way to perhaps to rebuild, it's a rebuild not in the image of others, but to do your own thing. Well, on, on that, I was going to say, you know, it's gonna, this new coach is going to come from uh, Kovacevic's network of contacts, surely. But I'm pretty sure uh, he was responsible in Adelaide for bringing in, was it Guillermoore? Yep. And uh, Gombau before him? Yep. He was there around that time. I'm not sure whether he was involved in those specific hires, but he was there but, at that time. But I feel like the way that, you know, because Aurora are the first to admit they haven't got the biggest uh, budget, I can see them... I, I don't know if they're going to go the way of a marquee coach, but I think your theory, Adam, of uh, overseas coach coming in with something to prove is probably going to be the way to go. And let's not forget that Postacoglu built that 2010-11 side with a bunch of unheralded guys who were brought in with something to prove. Now, the standard of the league is 
a lot higher than it was uh, 13 years ago when uh, Postacoli made all those signings. But I think it is going to be following a similar sort of thought process where they are going to try and be shrewd with their recruitment and say, let's, as you say, bring in someone with uh, different ideas and a different approach. Yeah. I look at the... That the league has changed, changed but this, this, that MO can still work. If you've got something to prove, you're going to come in here with you've got come with that real, real point to prove. It can certainly lead to good things, and everyone in that squad, to your point, certainly did. I do think Ante Kovacic's network is where they'll be looking for the raw first and foremost. I'm sure he has a vast. We know he has a vast network of contacts out there that will potentially be available for the for the raw to bring in. But I don't want any marquee coaches. We've already seen two in this league in the last three years. Neither of them made it more than six months. I don't. I don't want any marquee, big name head coaches that are going to supposedly put bums on seats because of their playing resume. I know, for example, Thierry Henry is, is linked to the U.S. national team job. I don't want coaches like that coming in just because just because they've had a great playing career at big clubs doesn't make you a good coach. I want a coach who can actually coach. And if they are going to go down a European coaching path. They might have to up their budget a bit as well so that that coach can bring in the requisite playing talent he needs to be successful. But I don't want any marquee coaches. Now James can talk about Thierry Henry and how much he loves him. No, I was just going to ask Adam what he thought about uh, the possibility of Frank Lampard. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't wish that even upon the raw. No, 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 no Frankie's all right. No, like I said, just the wrong wrong man at the wrong time. And uh, looking at... He's better yeah, than other actually, English it, midfielders it, it, it's actually, this season. It's actually funny that I think that um, yeah, that, you know, it's almost that's how I feel about Warren Moon. I think the wrong man at the wrong time, and, and as it's as it's turned out, I think it's the same with Frank Lampard at Everton. So, you know, look, if there's a Sean Dyche type uh, coach out there at the moment that could you know, change the fortunes of of the Raw, look, I'm, I'm all for it. But yeah, look, I look on, on your point yeah, about a marquee coach. I absolutely agree. I don't think it's necessary uh, in, in this league. I think that anyone who that thinks that. Bring a coach in is what will bring bums on seats. Now, nah, look, you know, it's it, it's not. It's it's a real fallacy to be Tried honest. Try that; so, it's nonsense. Yeah, it, it's a fallacy. But um, yeah, I think yeah. But again, I think the point is that bring someone in different, um, with different ideas. Look, it might be an abject failure, and you know we're back in square one in two years' time. But also as well as we saw with Ange, as we've seen with a number of other coaches for other clubs, you know what? The le- le- these leagues they work on trends and if you're the trendsetter generally that also means that you're successful yeah it does feel like this is a time for the Raw to be a little bit creative in the way that they're going to approach this as well because it's nothing against Nick Green I, I don't think I've ever met the guy but I just can't see how I- I'm going to have a hard time believing that he's going to be the guy that is going to uh, bring about a worst-to-first turnaround for the Raw in the next 18 months. I'm sure he is a capable coach, but the fact that it seems like this next coach is going to have to be a little bit more commanding, and I, I suppose a little bit more... like ha- Have a little bit more of a draw to him. And it, I'm not talking about, you know, a Thierry Henry uh, type or Moon's predecessor, but it is going to have to be someone who can come in and say, all right, I'm doing this my way. Like it, there's no arguing about it. This is the way we're going to play football. This is the way we're going to train. This is where we're going to do all of this, and it's just it's going to require just a massive amount of buy-in from the squad that they're able to assemble. And 
you hope that it's going to be that healthy mix of, you know, proven veterans. You know, maybe we see uh, Stefan Stepovic uh, back with the side next year as well. Aldred, Neville there as well. But then you can also see some of the younger guys like, you know, maybe a Thomas Waddingham from the NPL team given an opportunity because the assistants for this coach can at least talk up the plethora of young talent that is being produced here. I mean, I know we joke about it every single week, but you only need to look at NPL Victoria for the fruits of Queensland's development system. Yeah, absolutely. There's plenty of talent that you can choose from, but I was just going to go back to the the coaching search, potentially. How how um, lucrative do you think this job actually is? Because it should be one of the top jobs in the country, James. It's the third biggest market in the country, a three-time former champion. It's got... They've, going to be, I think they're going to be moving into the new um, training facility in Adams, neck of the woods, sooner rather than later, so it should be a top quality training facility, so in a big city, in a big market, in in a pretty good football country, it should be a, a job that that coaches want, but do you think it will be a job that coaches are going to want, or they'll look at it and say, ownership, eh. Scott, sorry, I'm just going to have to cut you off. Oh, we got some. Uh, we finally got the... Yeah, we got the official announcement uh, from the Raw. Uh, Brisbane Raw can confirm that Warren Moon has been stood down from the Azusa Ute A-League head coach role with immediate effect. The club would like to thank Warren for his service in the role over the past three years. The appointment of an interim head coach will be announced in due course. So, yeah. So, basically, what we've been talking about for the last 50 minutes is now official. Warren Moon has been uh, stood down as Brisbane Raw's head coach. Um... And it sounds like they are going through the process of finalising the uh, replacement, which, if uh, Marco's report is to be believed, will be Nick Green. However, the phrasing of interim head coach makes me think that this mm-hmm. is basically just a let's get this guy. It's Darren in Davies two point isn't it? Yep. Yeah. This is just get us to the end of the season, ideally with players in one piece, so we don't have to worry too much about guys uh, rehabbing when we start preseason in June. And I, and I think it's also as well, I think why we've been waffling on for a while in, in hopes that we got that official announcement because that, that announcement, while it's not everything we probably wanted tonight, um, I think it, I think it is all, at least, you know, the, the word, use of the word interim head coach to replace, I think speaks volumes about where they're, where they're headed. So I, I'm glad that, you know, this, this is probably as much as a live reaction as you're going to ever get from us because, you know, obviously we're, we're, reco- we're recording this and that, that genuinely was the first we heard that statement was when James read out because we've been recording. So, so yeah, and uh, look, I think that that's uh, that point about an interim head coach, uh, I think it's it's uh, it speaks volumes. The one thing also as well, Marco's Marco Monteverdi's story that I don't know if we've touched on yet, but there was a quote, a quote there in that story, which I don't know how it's going to play out. That um, I just uh, uh, Scott, do you want you got do you want to bring that up because you're the one that's pointed out. What's that? Moon um, who remains employed with the club. That's the one. Due to the nature of his contract, took over as uh, Brisbane's coach in. Da, 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 in the closing stages of the 2019-20 season. So I don't know how so, that's going to work. <laughs> well, because, okay, yeah. let's let's just play this out for a little while as well because, well, we've been waffling on to get that official statement. <laughs> um, get reaction time. Yeah. So uh, he would... So he came from being the academy general manager. There's not really an academy anymore for him to go back to. The question now becomes, like, is he going to essentially just be on gardening leave? 
you'd have to think so, right? I, I mean, you're, so. try, you're right. There's not really an academy to go back and oversee because they've, they've removed all the junior age groups and the senior, the two coaches in that position are Chris Grossman and Owen Baker, and I'm, there's not really a vacancy there. So I don't know where Warren Moon would fit in at the moment in terms of what role he would be filling. So I would say probably you're probably heading in the right direction with that, James. And just in terms of a dynamic as well, it does seem like it's really, really unlikely that Moon would be able to... Like, as nice of a guy as he is, I don't think he would necessarily... It would necessarily be the healthiest dynamic for the new coach to be working with the guy he replaced unless there was some sort of understanding where... I, don't, I can't. I can't even finish that line. Oh, I just do not. You know, being someone that you know, not only knows football but knows business in general, it's just unworkable. And look, I think if I think if that's a case of oh, well, you know what, the raw can't skimp out and not pay me more money. Uh, look, you know, I'd, yeah, as I said, put him on gardening leave. I think yeah, for his for his sanity, I think more than anything else. I think, he, I think he just needs to, um, to to walk away. I think, you know, at least you know, at least he has a contract and at least he'll get paid what he's entitled to. But, uh, yeah, I, I just think that to do it now and do this time, we've asked the question a number of times, why now? I think, you know, in our own discussion, I think we may have started piecing out some answers. And I think it's just a case of, you know what, if they rip the Band-Aid off, you know, because this situation is no longer tolerable, then it needs to be a, a clean clean break and we'll I guess in coming days we'll find out what happens to uh, you know other members in the football department you know starting with the assistants that were there where what their futures lie you know Graham Hardy Scott Scott Guyatt you know you know the the, the, the backroom staff where I guess we're all gonna see um, some some change ahead of the game next Sunday yeah and that is the one thing we should also say as well you know if you're not happy with the way the Roar have been going as well let's just let's not forget that while you know, Moon has been um, uh, stood down. I'll use the rules parlance mm. there. There are a bunch of backroom staff guys who were and girls who probably are now pretty worried for their future as well. So you hope this isn't going to be, you know, something that is seen as some great saving grace when there's a bunch of people who, again, we've dealt with a lot mm. who we're thinking, you know, let, let's just hope they're going to find a way to land on their feet as well because it's not just. Warren, who is going to likely find his way uh, out the door, because yeah, it, it's not just the coach; it's the staff as yeah. well. It's the unfortunate nature of the business, though, isn't it? When a when a coaching regime changes, it's not normally just the head coach; it's normally his assistants and all the other individual coaches along the line from there as well. So there probably will be some additional changes that hopefully the Raw do actually announce those in due course. We'll have to wait and see, but you would imagine that there will be changes to the coaching stuff. There always is in any season anyway, James. I think they made, in Warren Moon's tenure, he made changes in each and every season to his coaching group. So that happens anyway. But when a when a head coach moves on, for whatever reason, typically a lot of that coaching staff go as well. So that's probably what's going to happen here. And just, just to give people some background on um, the numbers behind Warren Moon's tenure, they played 82 games on his tenure, 26 wins, 22 draws, 34 defeats, with 98 goals scored and 99 goals against. So that's the um, summary of the numbers of Warren Moon's now officially confirmed coaching tenure at the Brisbane Raw. Yep. All right. I think we've talked uh, about as long as we can go on this subject. So uh, final thoughts, Scott? 
be intrigued to see what happens going forward in the next couple of days. The Perth game is now really interesting. You'd expect a reaction from the players. Who the new coach is, then we'll have to wait and see. But I'll be really intrigued to see what happens in that game on Sunday afternoon now, with just having seen this news today. Adam? Yeah, look, I, I agree with Scott. There's, there's, there's a short, the short-term you know, shuffling at the moment. What's going to happen you know, with the players, the the, uh, the coaching staff and all that? But you know, I do believe Sunday just became must-see as far as is there going to be a reaction from the players? And I also think it's almost a, a quasi-referendum from the fans. You know, whether they agree with it. Because, look, one thing we did notice is that, you know, Warren Moon, with the fans, you know, was still a very popular coach. So whether there will be a reaction from the fans as far as, you know, and I'm, I'm not two fans, not the people that live, reside on Twitter and social media. I mean, the rank-and-file members who, at every home game, applauded, applauded Warren Moon as he walked across just before kickoff. you know, and, and a half-time. You know, them, how they react to a new coach... That's going to be must-see, and I think uh, this might actually be... We'll see where the club really is at as far as, you know, you know what the fans think of this decision on, on Sunday at Cario Stadium. And also on that front, Warren Moon being a, having his legs to Queensland football in the NPL here kind of kept a lot of the local football community hanging on, watching the Raw, hoping they did well. What's going to happen now? Because there's a lot of disengaged people in the Queensland in, in southeast Queensland football with the Raw who were largely supportive because of Warren Moon and how they knew him and hoped he did well. So I'll be intrigued to see if that dynamic changes as well over the next coming weeks and months. Yeah, well, look, this has been essentially our live reaction uh, to Warren Moon's departure from the Brisbane Roar. And I think we've talked about as long as we can uh, on this subject without going over ground for the sixth or seventh time. I will just uh, finish off by uh, saying... You know, personally, I, I think it sucks. We liked Warren. Uh, great to deal with from our perspective as well for what we do. And uh, But from a football perspective, you hope that it is going to turn into the right decision for the Raw to get them out of what has been a seven-game funk now. So, yeah, it's not, not the happiest of notes to uh, end it on, but that's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Scott. Good to talk to you again, James. Hopefully we'll get that Th- NPL preview sooner rather than later. At some stage, I'm sure. Thank you, Adam. As, as tough as is, thank you and good night. And, um, yeah, best wishes to Warren Moon and his family as well. We are thinking of him uh, and any other support staff as well tonight. We'll be back later in the week with our 2023 NPL Queensland men's season preview. You can check out the women's one on our podcast feed as well. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And, uh, yeah, there's a whole lot more football to come. We'll be back to talk to you again soon.